Just a little warning before we begin that this series contains strong language and discussion of an adult nature, so may not be suitable for everybody. Welcome to Where Mama At in the Soul Bear Sessions series with me, Angela Smith. This series tells true life stories from extraordinary people who've thrived after enduring extreme trauma and life challenges. And they're speaking out and bearing their souls, often for the very first time, to share their stories and offer hope to other people who are going through difficult situations. The special guest today, who over the next few episodes is going to be telling his incredible life story, is Terence Holloway. In fact, his story is so dramatic and so filled with incredible twists and turns that there's actually a movie being made about it. It's a story about growing up on the run from a drug gang, becoming a rap star and working with the likes of Tupac and Exhibit, looking for his homeless mother on the dangerous streets of Los Angeles, and even building an alter ego to escape his real identity after being a three-time victim of sexual abuse. Here are a few clips of what's to come in this episode. All right, I'm gonna do, I'm gonna do this for 30 days, and I'm gonna become homeless for 30 days and look for my mom. And that's how I ended up being homeless in Hollywood and LA and the beach areas. I said, is it wrong for me to actually take somebody to the beach and baptize them? And he was like, if that's in your heart, do it. I just heard the lady scream my name, Terry, Terry, Terry. She was like, my son. And I turned around and it was my mom. So you're about to embark on a, a really formative chapter of your life, some an, an experience that would change the course of your life really for forever. How did your dad feel about this? Um, my dad had passed away already by this time. Um, it was close to the time. Um, that's another one where the date, I don't like to remember the dates. I don't like yeah. to remember the dates of where he passed and what happened. I like to remember other kind of dates. Mm -hmm. But um, my dad passed around, uh, he passed away around this time. Uh, my dad died of drugs. Hey, tell me about that. What happened? It started off with another phone call. I got a phone call from the barbershop. Um, and it was this lady and she said, are you Romeo? And I said, yes. And she said, yo, daddy's dead. And oh. I said, what the hell? And she was like, yeah, he's right here. And I was like, where are you at? And she gave me an address and I was went straight there. And my dad was dead. Um, he was laying on the couch and he had a uh, he had a heroin needle in his arm. Wow. Had you any idea he was doing that, those kind of drugs? Yeah, I knew he did them kind of drugs. Um, he got a bad batch of drugs. <sighs> yeah. And had you seen him much before that happened? The story is this. Uh, my great-grandmother passed away. She passed away from old age. My grandmother passed away from cancer a year later. Mm -hmm. And my dad passed away a year later. Wow. So it was a trickle-down theory, and I believe that it was a codependence mm -hmm. from my great-grandmother to my grandmother to my father. Mm -hmm. I felt like he kind of lost himself without having his mom and his grandmother mm -hmm. living. So he just went heavy on drugs. So, yeah, because I remember you saying before that he didn't really do those kind of heavy drugs himself back in the day like this was a relatively new thing for him no back in the day no it wasn't it wasn't new back oh. in the day he wasn't doing it but um 
his closest friend got killed by selling drugs to the wrong people and they cut the drugs wrong and they were selling drugs to somebody from out of town. So they came from out of town and killed my dad's best friend. Hmm. And that's when he started doing drugs heavy. Right. That's what turned him into like a real drug head. Yeah. yeah. And how did that affect you knowing that your dad was big into these kind of drugs? Um, my dad would keep it away from me. So sometimes I see him where he was off of drugs and him nod and certain kind of things, but he know how to keep himself together to where he can you didn't know if he was drunk high or off of something. He kinda mm. he kept that away from me. But you can always tell, can't you? I mean I know Not always, no. No. No, not with my dad, no. No. Mm mm. So how did that make you feel that you'd lost your mum to the streets for, mm. at least for now and then you'd also lost your dad? Um, my dad hit me hard. Mm. Yeah, that was my road dog. So my dad hit me very, very hard. Very, mm. very hard. I was, uh, I was, uh, I can say, uh, I just wasn't there. Like my mind wasn't there. My mind was running around places. I just wasn't there. My dad hit me hard though. Mm-hmm. And the fact that I had to actually go see the body and everything like that, you know what I'm saying? Just to see that. And um, I've seen it before, but it's like, you know, you see your dad dead with a, a heroin needle in his arm. And then the lady's high off of heroin, so she's acting erratic. And it was it was, it was crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So soon after this, you uh, met the homeless guy and you decided that you were going to set yourself up on a little mission. Tell me about that. Yeah, so... Um, after the homeless guy I met, um, I looked for him and I just couldn't find him. So then I ended up getting on the train. So it was something about his story where I just thought it was compelling to me. And I always like to film things. So I took my camera and I went to Hollywood, Hollywood Boulevard, where the stars are at, like right there in the heart of Hollywood. Just walked around. I was looking for my mom. Just I wasn't like actively looking for, her, but I was looking for, her, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen a lot of people homeless out there. I've been out there many times before, so I've seen these people. So, but now I have a different aspect where I'm now like wanting to talk to somebody, mm-hmm. and then automatically I met this man named Sam, and he was laying on the uh, on the concrete. And then I was, you know, asked him. My first thing was asking people, did they want beer and cigarettes? Because I didn't really know no better, you know what I'm saying? So I was just like, you, you want beer and cigarettes? It's like they're because not going to say no, are they? They're not going to say no, but then they, it's like they, uh, it's like they, uh, they like, they're so happy just for a beer and some cigarettes. Like you see the, like the happiness, like, yes, like, ooh, shit. Like, yeah, that kind of like, almost like, ooh, you just saved my day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want a beer. So I went and got Sam beer, got him some cigarettes. And um, so I said, all right, well, like, I was just able to talk to him then. So we was just kind of talking a little bit. And then his story was compelling to me. Um, he's been homeless uh, multiple times in his life. Uh, and by this time, he had the, uh, the I don't give a fuck attitude, which I don't even care. Like, I, I'd rather be like this. Like, this is where he wanted to be. So I said, if there was one thing that you really wanted for Christmas, because Christmas is close. And that was another thing I used to get him. You know, if there's one thing you wanted for Christmas, what's going to make your day better? And all he wanted was uh, an AM, FM radio. 
Wow. That's it. And I was like, you don't know CDs? He's like, I'm going to get CDs. <laughs> so he just wanted to hear the news mm-hmm. and just have a, have a radio. So um, I filmed Sam. Me and Sam kind of got, got close to each other. And then I went on to the next person. The next person that I came across was Rambo. And Rambo was a young dude, and you could just tell that he was fresh in Hollywood. You know, you can tell who's fresh in Hollywood, who's not. Um, I've been out there before, so a lot of people that's looking around, a lot of people that's kind of like, you know, just kind of lost a little bit. So I went and talked to Rambo, and I'm filming everything. And once again, I asked Rambo, like, you want something to drink and some cigarettes? And Rambo, yes. So we went to the 7-Eleven, got him some drinks, some cigarettes. So me and Rambo just started talking and walking. And I told him about my mother. Like, me and him just started talking so much where I told him about my mother. And my question was to him, one of my first real questions is, how did you become homeless? And Rambo had a real, real story that it's like it was hard not to believe his story. Um, Rambo, his parents was killed by a rival gang. His parents used to sell drugs and they was a part of a rival gang somewhere, somewhere deep down south. I forget exactly, but um, he was in the closet when his parents was killed and he heard the people. Uh, they opened up the door, pointed a gun at him. And then one dude said, we don't shoot kids. So Rambo was saved by that. Um, wow. Yeah. Rambo went into, he went into the system. So he was, uh, he got picked up by different foster parents and his last, he, he got picked up by a lot of awful kind of foster parents. His last foster parents, he told me that they treated him worse than his, their dogs. So he would only eat every once in a while. He had to, he had to piss and shit in the side buckets. Like he had, a, he had a real, real hard life. So one day he said, um, one of the foster parents gave him some money to go get some cigarettes, knowing that he couldn't go get some no cigarettes on underage. So he said he took the money and he ran away. And he ran away for like four months. And he said when he got back, the only thing that the people asked him was, where's my cigarettes at? So then he just left and he got, um, he, he, uh, hopped trains for a while, for a couple years, hopped trains and hopped trains and hopped trains. And from him being like young, I think he was maybe like 15, 16 years old at that time. Um, a lot of people was telling him that, uh, you can live a better life being homeless and kind of do a start over in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Because of the beaches, because of Hollywood, because of downtown, the resources. A lot of a lot of places don't have the resources that that's here in Los Angeles. So he ended up in Los Angeles, and I was like, "Hey man, what's your birthday?" And he told me his birthday, and I was just like, "Wow!" I didn't tell him nothing about myself, and he told me his birthday, and it's the exact same day as my birthday. Wow. So I was like, "Oh, this is awesome!" So me and Rambo kind of took a liking of each other, and I was like, "Let me clean you up." And he was just all with it. So I actually took Rambo to the barbershop. And then um, that's I took a couple people, but Rambo was one of the people I took to the barbershop, um, let him clean him up and stuff like that. And then it's a Goodwill place in Hollywood. Took him to the Goodwill, got him a couple little gear. You know what I'm saying? Me and him took a liking to each other. So then I was asking him questions like, how, like, what's the chances that I could actually find my mom out here? And he was like, your approach is cool, but you're not going to get the information that you need. So I was just like, what does that mean? He was like, we have, it's like the homeless has a pop, I mean, community. Homeless has a community where they trust each other and it's not really outside people for information. He was like, we don't know why you're looking for your mom. Mm -hmm. So it kind of made sense to me. And he was just like, 
um, I was like, what if I just become homeless? Like, just be, he was like, what you mean? Like, what if I just become homeless for like a little a period of time? And the whole time I'm already thinking like, okay, I'm really into Bible stories and the people of the Bible. So I was figuring out, okay, what's a good number? I didn't even know. I was just like, what's a good number? What? I was like, 30 days, 30 nights. <laughs> so I was like, all right, I'm going to do, do this for 30 days. And I'm going to become homeless for 30 days and look for my mama. And that's how I ended up being homeless in Hollywood and L.A. and the beach areas. So what did you do with your apartment? Did you just lock it up and not allow yourself to go back there? Like... That night, yeah. I went back home and I packed the backpack. I got my dirtiest clothes, my dirtiest shoes. Yeah. Um, and I I called everybody at the shop. You know what I'm saying? I called my kids. You know what I'm saying? I called the people I need to call and let them know that I'm going to be on the streets. I told them what it was. A lot of people was like, thought I was crazy for doing <laughs> this. Like, for real. They thought I was literally crazy. Um, people close to me knew that I was, on a, I was on a mission to search for my mom and to actually get out here and, and kind of like just get stories and... It started off with me trying to get awareness, and it's, that's how it kind of started. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, other than Rambo, tell me about some of the other people that you met. Outside of that, it's not the people I met um, because then it started being like a it started being like a blur of the people. So I know a lot of lot of I can say a lot of different stories, but it was around Christmas time, so it started getting really really cold and it was raining, and I was doing it so much. I was on the streets, well, really for like the first five days, I was on the streets and talking to so many people and everybody know me for getting them beer and wine oh, and cigarettes. So now I got people like, hey, you got some you got some cigarettes for us? Hey, you got some beer? So it's just, you know, it kind of started getting heavy on me. And then I had Rambo with me for some of the parts too. And he was like, see, he's like, you're going to have to keep that going. So I had to figure out like, what can I do? So I was approached by a lady that seen me out there doing this and talking to people with my camera. And she said that uh, it was like automatically, too. It was like God given. It was automatic. She came to me and she said, if you find some women off the streets or women with babies, you know, I have a shelter and I can get them. I can get them placed into a shelter. And I was like, oh, my God. So I asked about the men. She was like, it's really hard for the men. And the men, you have to go through the actual, you have to go through the shelters and they have a couple of shelters, but you have to get on waiting lists and they're waiting list. It was just a lot for men to get off the streets. But I had an inside connect where I, if I find a woman that's off the streets and needs some help, I can go help her. Mm -hmm. So, and then I talked to her too and told her what I was doing. And she, they already knew, everybody knew, knew me from the guy out here giving out beer and wine because everybody was trying to figure out, you know what I'm saying, what is he doing or, you know what I'm saying? So, um, she was like, you need to take a different approach because you're, you're giving these people stimulus to actually keep them on the streets. And that rang into me. So I was walking around. It rang to me all night. And it was just like, I'm not giving nobody else no beer and wine. Mm -hmm. Especially when I have somebody where I can actually kind of like get off the streets if they want mm -hmm. to. So what I did was I went to the 99 cent store the next morning. I got two loaves of bread. I got lunch meat, cheese. I got chips. And I got vitamins. Vitamins and headache pills. I spent a total of like $25 and I got um, paper bags. So I'll put vitamins and pills inside of a plastic bag. I put chips in a plastic bag and I made sandwiches. And uh, some of them had like little candy and stuff like that. So now I have two big old bags with maybe like about 40 bags with these sandwiches. And I tell you, I went to I went to 99 cent store and I made everything in the parking lot. I didn't, still didn't go home. Mm -hmm. And um, so now... 
I'm giving people sandwiches and, and bags and stuff. And I walk down the street. So I see everybody kind of eating my sandwich. Some people threw them because they weren't that beer still. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so that was like, okay, those are people I don't want to help. Mm-hmm. But uh, later on, it was one man that came and he was like, you the one that gave me that food. Like, you the one that fed me. And that, like, made me feel so much better than me giving somebody some beer and wine. We'll be right back continuing the conversation with Terence after these quick messages from our sponsors. From the same company that brought you this series, there are three new podcasts that we strongly recommend. The first one is a true crime series called Framed for Murder, the case of Matthew Turner. It's a really harrowing and quite intriguing true crime series about a guy who's now 32 years old and he spent the last 14 years in prison for a crime that all the evidence suggests he did not commit. The series, available as a podcast or on video, follows his legal team as they reinvestigate the case and fight for his exoneration in real time. If you're a true crime fan, it's absolutely not to be missed. On a totally different note, we've got a podcast about online dating called Accidentally MILF Online Dating Adventures After 50 with Angel Bliss. The podcast has already won nine awards and if you listen to it, you'll understand why. Oh my goodness, the scrapes and the stories that are told in this podcast are absolutely hilarious. It is brilliant fun and is highly, highly recommended. And for music fans everywhere, Paul Ryder, the legendary bass player of Manchester Legends Happy Mondays, who sadly passed away in July 2022. Well, he has a brand new series coming out, available as a podcast or on video called The Paul Ryder Tapes, Sex, Drugs, Happy Mondays and Me. You see, in the months leading up to his death, he sat down with me and told his whole life story in absolute depth revealing lots of secrets about Happy Mondays and he also talks about his own drug addiction, his own struggles with mental health and there are lots of really funny and special anecdotes and cool guests such as Paul Oakenfold, Peter Hook, Clint Boone and many many other big names from the music world. So that's the Paul Ryder tapes coming soon. Please check that one out as well. So now I'm in a process where people are actually respecting me a little bit to actually kind of talk to me more. You know what I'm saying? So now I'm asking where my mom is at. And I had a couple people where it kind of seemed like they told me where she was at just to kind of get something from me. And a couple people I kind of felt that was genuine. Like maybe my mom was over here. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that's how I just started that journey with that. Did you have any near misses where you thought you'd seen her and it wasn't her? Yes, twice. Oh, really? What mm-hmm. happened? One was in downtown, the Skiro area, and the lady walked inside of a tent. So I just stayed across the street and waited for her to walk out. And I seen that it wasn't my mom. Mm-hmm. One person said that she was at Jack in the Box in Venice when I was asking people at Venice. And I didn't know if he was telling the truth or not, but one person he was at, he was like, yeah, I seen her. So I stayed at that Jack in the Box and I just walked around that Jack in the Box for that full day and I didn't see her. Um, I seen one lady, young, young woman, 
um, with a baby like about two years old and it just looked sad. Like the baby was crying and crying and crying in the stroller. And it was like, I walked across the street. I was trying to like, some people I was trying not to like, ah. And then I walked across the street. You can still hear this baby crying. So mind you, I just talked to this lady. So I went and talked to her. And um, she was really religious, really religious young girl too. Mm. And she said the church had kicked her out. Wow, the church. Yeah, the church. Yeah, the church kicked her out because of um, she's been there too long and she didn't want to deal with the programs that the church had to offer. Mm. Um, When you go to churches, they're kind of strict, and it wasn't like a Christian church. It was like more of like a uh, I forget what it was. I talked to her, and uh, I took her straight to the lady, and we got on the bus. Her, her, and her child. I helped her with her child, all her bags. Got on the bus, went to the lady's house. And the lady um, welcomed her with open arms and gave her a room. And she completed the programs. Like, she completed everything that she needed to complete. So that was, like, one of my success stories. And did she actually get permanent accommodation after that? Yeah, she ended up, yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. Are you still in touch with her? I see her every once in a while on um, Facebook. Mm -hmm. She has a man now, and yeah. And she's not homeless anymore? No, she's not homeless. She's doing well. Baby's doing good. Yeah. 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 Wow, that's amazing. You Mm -hmm. must have felt really good. Yeah, that was awesome. That yeah. was awesome. Um, I was able, I got another woman off the streets at the same place. Um, I got one man off of drugs, as in going to the different shelters and just being being there for him and with him. Um, so in the midst of this happening, my life is changing because I'm starting to see that homeless people are people, and they just have this title in front of the name of this person. Mm-hmm. So I started looking at at them more as people. Mm-hmm. And then um, it, just, it was like overwhelming. So I called my grandfather and I was like, uh, I told him, and I'll never forget. I told him, I was like, what's going on with me? Am I doing the right thing? And what am, like, what is going on? And he told me to keep on going and just start seeking God. So um, I went to the beach and uh, it started at the beach and I was just walking and walking and walking in the water. And... Um, I walked for a very long time, maybe like about five miles in the beginning. And I was just walking and I just started tearing up and crying and laughing. And like all the emotions came out when I was in this water. And I called him again. And I was like, is something wrong with me? He was like, nah, it's not nothing wrong with you. Don't fight it. Just keep on going. Ask for a sign. And then, you know, I'm just thinking like, okay, give me some kind of sign, something. Like, give me something. And I swear. Give you a sign of what? A sign from God. Like, you get signs yeah. from God. Like Are you doing the right thing? No, it's just a sign from God to say, okay, yeah. yeah you know okay. what I'm saying? A sign. It could be somebody saying something. Yeah. It can be um, an object. Uh, yeah. Just something. Like, show me a sign. Yeah. A big, long wooden stick came out the ocean right when I was praying. Yeah. And I was like, that's it. So I went and got some sage and everything, and I stayed I stayed there, and I just stayed there for the full night. And then I was just rubbing on the stick. I was just like, this is my sign. And it was a Moses stick, and it looked just like that. It looked just like that. So uh, later on that day, once again, went to 99 Cent Store and got some stuff to where I, I sanded it all. I was on the beach doing this whole thing, sanded it, did all this kind of stuff, and it was just like, this is, this is one of the signs. And... Um, it just kind of got over me that this is the time where I need to just be myself and not this made up person that I made up as in Romeo. So did you decide to change back your name from Ter- from Romeo to Terence at this point? Yeah. Yeah. Was that a massive decision? No, it was automatic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Did you feel liberated when you didn't have to be Romeo anymore? Yes. Yes, it was a weight off my shoulders. Yeah, it was a big old weight off my shoulders. Yeah. Why was it a weight? Because I'm now myself. It's not the made-up person. It's just myself. It's not, it's not nothing that I made up. It's actually who I really was. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, if that makes sense. So it's more effortlessly you rather than you trying to be something that you're not really. No, I never tried. I never tried to be nothing I wasn't. I just had a block up on who I was. Do you okay. understand what I'm saying? Yeah. So I never was out there trying. Right. You understand what I'm saying? I was out there doing it, but it's a right. difference. I didn't want nobody to know who Terrence was because of who Terrence was. So Romeo was like a shell for you. It was like a protection barrier. Mm -hmm. And what you were able to do at the beach was to just throw away that protection barrier and just be who you really were. That's what it was. Wow. Amazing. Yeah. So um, I asked my grandfather to give me strip scriptures of the Bible. That was my go-to person when I was doing this mm -hmm. whole thing. And my grandfather, uh, he gave me scriptures and stuff in the Bible. And then I wanted to go from Old Testament to New Testament. So I started just, you know, I knew some of them, but I just started skimming through of the people in the Bible and what they did, like who who they was. And my thing was, if the Bible was written today, like where can I write myself? So I did a seven-day fast where I, didn't, I just drank water. Um, and then I did a 10-day fast where... Uh, I did uh only thing I ate was uh fruit off of trees. Mm -hmm. So that was that was hard because I had to go find the fruit. <laughs> <laughs> so as I'm doing this, I had Rambo and a couple other people doing it with me. Oh wow. Yeah. Yeah, and I was, and I asked my grandfather, like, is it wrong if I actually, you know what I'm saying? Like like I can see I'm changing some people that was around me life. It wasn't like a group of people who always pick one or two. Mm -hmm. I said, Is it wrong for me to actually take somebody to the beach and baptize them? And he was like, If that's in your heart, do it. I was taking people to the beach and um, putting them in the water and praying with them and stuff like that. So, Wow. Yeah. Amazing. So how did it all end this period of 30 days? Um, okay, so one day I felt like I needed something besides just looking in the Bible, so I wanted to go to church. So this is the day I did go home because I wanted to get dressed. I didn't want to go to church looking like I looked. So I went, I went home, got dressed, and then um, got on the bus, and I went downtown L.A., Got off downtown L.A. Because that's the stop to get to the church. Got off the bus. And I was walking and stepped over this woman. And she had really a gang of gang of bags on the floor. And I thought she was asleep. So I just kind of like stepped over. Because a lot of people walking at the at, at this bus stop. I mean, at the train station. And you're on your way to church. Yeah, I'm on my way to church. And um, I just heard the lady scream my name. Terry, Terry. Terry, she was like, my son. And I turned around and it was my mom. I found my mom laid on the floor. Wow. And this was at the end of the 30 days? It was damn near the end of the 30 days. And what did you do? Um, I turned around. By the time I turned around, she was already standing up. She ran towards me and just jumped on me. And it was hugging me and crying. Just like hugging me and hugging me and crying. So I took her home. I turned around. I was going to church. I turned around, took her home. Um... Let her take a shower, got her dressed and stuff like that. Talked to her and told her, like, you know, she already knew about the apartment. She thought she was going to come and stay with me again. You know what I'm saying? She was basically like what happened was kind of like a blur. She didn't even know what happened. So um, I took her to the lady that I met that had the shelter. And when I got there, she was like, I have one room left. 
and she took my mom in. And so I was able to get my mom off the streets that day. Okay. Mm. And then what happened? The next day I did what I did to everybody else. I went back and seen my mom. I took her to the beach and uh, tried to put her in the water. <laughs> she was with it until we got to the water. Yeah. And all she wanted was something to drink. <laughs> so I was like, okay, you know, it's not like you're going to learn in a day. So, you know what I'm saying? I was understandable. I was understanding, you know what I'm saying? So I went back and the people knew that she had a drinking problem, you know what I'm saying? Because you have to tell them what, what your vices are. Um, so she was there. And then I went back on the mission of trying to help people. I was seeing her every day. And she went back to the ladies' mm -hmm. place. I took her back to the ladies' place. Yeah. And then um, I just got really deep in helping people. So I was able to help some more people and then help help this one man named Skillet. Skillet was a real powerful man. Everybody knew Skillet. And he always carried a Bible. So that was somebody I went to. And then I was able to really help Skillet. I took him to the beach and... Um, um, put him in the water, prayed with him and stuff like that. Took him to shelters until he was actually able to get on the right waiting list. Mm -hmm. And Skillet, Skillet ended up off the streets. Wow. Um, then right when I was wrapping this whole thing up, I was like, I need more information. I just need more information. So um, I enrolled in Bible school. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to just learn. I wanted to really, like, reading it is one thing, but I wanted to learn. Mm -hmm. So... I wanted to learn about the Moses. I wanted to learn about Abraham. I wanted to learn about Jesus more. I just wanted to learn. Mm -hmm. So um, I did very well in school. Yeah. Yeah, very well in school. And what about your mom? My mom ended up escaping. <laughs> she, yeah, how long, after how long? Um, she was there for maybe about a month and a half. One time she got kicked out, they let her back in, and then she ended up escaping because she didn't like the rules. Well, the, the main rule was no drinking, is that right? You couldn't drink in the house, but the house was next door to a liquor store. Uh, next door. So my mom would just kick it outside the liquor store. Right. Yeah. And so she did end up getting kicked out. She got kicked out and then we pleaded and they let her back in and then she ended up escaping. Like she ended up leaving. And then what? Um, then we found her. That was quick find. Mm -hmm. It wasn't uh, me and my sister went looking for her. I think my sister found her at that time. Mm -hmm. And it was quick because they call you right now. Like, you know, she just left. So it was a quick find. My sister found her. We got her. My sister was like, okay, I'm taking control of this now. Mm -hmm. which was okay because I couldn't do it. Like, I just, I couldn't do it. So then we had my mom, that was the first place that she went where it was a lockdown facility. She could not leave. Okay. But it was only for a certain amount of time. It's just to give them medicine and kind of get them back right. And then they put them back into one of these homes. So right. that's where we... Okay, let's leave it there for now. Yes. And then next time we'll find out what happened next with both your mom and yourself. Thank you so much again. You're welcome. On the next episode, Terence continues his incredible life story. So I got a phone call from the place and I got a phone call from my sister and said that she escaped this place. And we was like, how did she escape? Because she was on the second floor. My mom has opened up the window and jumped off, jumped out the window from the second floor. We had a conversation with her, you know what I'm saying? I told her, I was like, mom, you know, we got cancer. And her thing was, she was like, I been had that shit. Please visit our website at wheremamaat.com or soulbearsessions.com where you'll find links to all of our socials as well as information about resources that might be useful to you if some of the things that we've talked about today have resonated with you. 
If you've enjoyed this podcast, we'd really appreciate a review and please tell your friends about the series and help spread the message that no matter how grim a situation may seem, there are others who have gone through something similar and have made it through. Thank you so much for listening. It really, really means the world to us and we look forward to having you with us again next time. Have a great day and thank you. This series was brought to you by Glistening Productions. It was produced by Angela Smith. Associate producer was Sarah Walters. Editing was by Terence Holloway and Richard Hayward. Cameras by Richard Venti. Sound recording was by Marty Black. And the executive producers are Angela Smith and M. Jacoby. Glistening Productions.